You're listening to DraftKings Network. I mean, this is a sport that's on the precipice of irrelevance. The games are taking over three and a half hours. Playoff games are taking over four hours. Game's too long, too slow. Who cares? This is a situation where baseball's in trouble to begin with. The MLB is officially dead. Baseball is dead. Rest in peace. I don't know that. That's that's fucking. You're just like making it your own now. <laughs> what are you doing? Okay, bad start. My headphones came out. Say that again. Were you talking right. shit? Yeah, no, no, no. I just, I just said that you took some liberties with the open. It was my first time doing it. I mean, if it wasn't good, I apologize. I'll get better. But it was my first time, so I think I get a little bit of, you know, I know what I need freedom. No, or just like some leash. No one ever taught me how to do it. Told me how to do it. How I should do it. I just fucking did it the way I <laughs> thought to do it. I was told 15 seconds ago I was the one doing it, and mm-hmm. I did it. All right. Well, thank you for doing it. Welcome. Okay. I'll watch. Uh, I'll listen back. I'll 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 analyze the you'll tape. Watch the tape. Yeah. yeah. You're gonna learn from this. You're gonna grow from this. Or, or who knows? Maybe people love it and you just keep doing it that way. Dallas, sorry, I'm doing it now. Okay, we'll see. Well, Dallas is not here right now. I, according to Dallas, uh, he said star without me uh, got in late. So I think the the season's really getting to him. <laughs> I think like you want to know the date of when did the Oakland A's break Dallas Braden. We don't know for sure, but there's a chance it was May 17th. There's a chance that it was May 17th. I'm not going to rule that out as a possibility. Um, I think making it that long is admirable. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I said on the podcast yesterday, like people will ask me how he's doing like he's dying. <laughs> like, like that is the tone of voice that people will ask me. And these are people that know Dallas personally. They're not just like, oh, yeah, no, like I met him one time or I know that you do the podcast with him, but I uh, I don't know him personally. Like these are people that like know him and they're like, "Ooh, how's he doing? How is he? Mm. Mm. It's very uh, uh, solemn is the word that I would use. Uh, Yesterday, though, I mean, let's start on a high note. I mean, I guess it depends on on who you're a fan of, but to start on a high note, I know a lot of Mets fans listen to this podcast. The New York Mets. What a game, Jay Hay. What a night to be a fan of the New York Metropolitans. And I thought for sure, I, 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 I half predicted it correctly. I was talking about the, uh, you, had, you had a home run to make it 2 nothing. In a scoreless game in the seventh inning at that point, right? Then you have yep. uh you're like, well, I, I said like this this is this is probably gonna be short-lived. Like if this is the best moment of the season, this is probably gonna be short-lived. Uh I think it was eight minutes later was when the Rays struck back. Uh the <laughs> Go ahead. No, I just this is this game was so funny to me because it's people talk about momentum in baseball and narratives and how things are going and like nothing about this game made sense from that perspective because if you buy into that stuff, the Rays, the best team in baseball, we're going to walk all over the Mets who where the vibes were terrible and the losses were piling up and then as you said, there were 
there were numerous opportunities for the Rays uh, to have sealed this game up to nothing, up five to two in the ninth, up seven to five in extras. And the Mets just kept kept coming back multiple three run home runs. Um, I was following this. It was uh, it was epic. And you really just can't you can't predict baseball. Uh, and this is a you good can. example of that, I think. Yeah, I, I got that wrong. It was Isaac Paredes hit the ground rule double in the fourth. Jose Siri hit a homer in the seventh. So it was two nothing in the seventh inning. The Mets were getting blanked. And Mark Viedos hit a home run, his first of the season, second of his big league career. And that made it 2-2 in the bottom of the seventh. And that's when I said, if this is if this Mets fans happiness is short lived, at least they had this moment because you could even sense like, OK, yeah, the home run tied it. it did, they didn't take the lead. I understand that this is a moment that Mets fans needed after the stretch of baseball that they've just played. But you could even get the sense that tying it may be the the peak, like <laughs> tying the game might be the the top, the top of the mountain. Uh the very next inning, Brandon Lau, two-run bomb. So now it's 4-2, and you have just told the Mets it took you seven innings to score two runs. And do you think you can do it again? Probably not. And I'm sure Mets fans felt that way as well. Uh, in the top of the ninth, Randy Rosarena, RBI uh, knock to make it 5-2. And I'm sure a lot of Mets fans probably turned that game off. I'm sure a lot of Mets fans were like, man, it took us seven innings to score two. We need to score three in the bottom of the ninth. Like, there's no fucking way. Francisco Alvarez says there is a way. Follow me. Three-run bomb. Pimps the homer. The whole deal. Crowd's going nuts. Everyone's loving it. Mets fans are like, wow. Not only one comeback, but two in the very same game. This is incredible. It's the Mets year. It's the Mets night at the very least. Top of the 10th. Hal Ramirez, RBI knock, Josh Lowe, uh, RBI knock. It's seven to five. And if you're a Mets fan, you're thinking, God damn, just just give us this one. Just just let stop. Stop doing this to us. Stop taking leads late against this team for us to have to scratch and claw just to come back and tie the tie the game. Like, never mind. Give us a lead. They had never led. They never led. They were just trying to tie the fucking game. Two on for Pete Alonzo. You may remember him as the home run derby champ champ. And uh, corny as he is, because he, trust me, motherfucker's corny as hell. But he can sock homers. Alonzo drives one. Deep left field. Really going back. It's out of here. And the Mets win. <laughs> Into the second deck, Alonzo, a three-run shot, and the Mets walking off. Never, never has someone made hitting tanks look so cringe. <laughs> but <laughs> he, uh, he is uh, a force to be reckoned with. He hits them. He, oh, trust me when I tell you, he hits them. Let's fucking go, Mets. <laughs> I mean, he is. He is something. And uh, against all odds, against the best team in baseball, I think that that's a really good point by Jay Hay. It is, uh, uh, it's, it's a comeback, comeback, comeback win against the best team in baseball when you are playing 
not even arguably, objectively, your worst baseball of the season. And we've been talking about the Mets schedule and how they had a, a runway of shit teams that they could just steamroll through or that they should have steamrolled through. They did not. They lost just about every damn game. And then it was like, oh, great. Now, now that we wasted that opportunity against bad teams, now we have to play the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, maybe that's what they needed. Maybe they needed to play up, play up to the opponent. Well, and and the part of this that, you know, kind of got lost in the shuffle is the performance of Senga too, right? Mm-hmm. Where um, you know, we've talked about how they've been missing that shutdown impact pitching from the front of their rotation from the two guys that they signed to be that way. Uh they also signed Senga this offseason, and not only was this start a huge success, uh, but I think you have to I mean, he's made eight starts so far. I think you have to call his first eight starts overall uh, a pretty distinct success for the Mets too. A three seven seven ERA with uh, 55 Ks and 36 hits and 43 innings. I mean, it's imperfect. He's still walking too many guys. But last night, 12 strikeouts uh, against the Rays. The only pitchers in Mets history who have had a start featuring more strikeouts within their first 10 starts for the Mets. First two, I bet you guys can get. Um, Dwight Gooden. Are you going to go Tom 1984. Siever? No, but Nolan Ryan. Oh. 1968, and then Dick Selma. Oh, Good old big Dicky. Dick Selma. Dicky Selmy. Through had 13 strikeouts in a 10 inning start uh, in a one to nothing win over, uh, yeah, back in 1965. But yeah, that's it for Senga. I mean, I think that was really impressive. Uh, I sort of expected that the Rays would figure that out a little bit and it would look mm-hmm. a lot more like his start against Cincinnati the time before and that just wasn't the case. He was utterly dominant. 12 yeah. strikeouts. Three walks which you don't love but I mean usually if you have a high strikeout game like that 12 strikeouts it's going to drive up the pitch count then you add in the the three walks on top of that was still able to go six innings. No. The big upset. Big Cinderella story. The New York Mets. Oh. <laughs> Coming in. That's right now, Joe. Paying two pitchers more money than the entire Rays roster, and they won. Mm. Four and a half times more payroll, and they won. But it's looking up for the Mets ever since uh, starting, ever since they, you know, fell to fourth place in the division, started the season with a losing record against the easiest schedule in the league, and playing the opposing team's logo on the scoreboard as they. Whoop them. They are undefeated since then. So mm-hmm. now that raised their playoff odds, according to fan graphs, to 50.7%. So Mets fans, get a coin out, flip it. You might make the playoffs. 50% chance. Wow. Things are looking up. <clears throat> Do you think that that's accurate? Do you think that that's true <laughs> to what what's actually going on on the field now? Oh, what's going on the field now? Uh, yeah, like if you were to, if I were to ask you without having looked at the Fangraphs playoff odds, does fifty percent feel right to you? I would say it feels low. Pers- like to be honest, I think the Mets yeah. make the playoffs, especially with the. There's, I would say, I would give them a sixty-eight percent chance. Mm-hmm. But I would say Fangraphs knows more than me, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they missed the playoffs. But I would be because I gave them sixty-eight percent chance. Hmm. Interesting. Jay, hey, what do you think about the Mets playoff odds right now? 50%. Does that feel does that feel right? Does it feel low? Yeah, I think it feels about right. 
Um, you know, we talked last podcast about how outside of maybe two or three teams that it's a real muddled mess in the NL. And I still think that, you know, that if there are six other playoff potential teams still figuring things out like the Mets are, I, I still like the talent on the roster on the Mets relative to a lot of those teams that we discussed prior to the start of the season. Like, I still like them above the Giants and I still like them above the D-backs and I still like them above, you know, like the the Pirates and the Phillies and things like that. Like, none of that has really changed. So I think I think it's right about uh, right about correct. I think I think the Mets should feel decent. Yeah, for the Mets to not make the playoffs, they'd have to be worse than the Giants, the Pirates, maybe the The runway's still there. Yeah. There's a lot of these teams that they're competing with, as you know, sad as the Mets have been, have been as sad and have like more reasons to be worried. All right, we got to take a break and talk about Zinn Nicotine Pouches. We're always talking about what a team needs to get to number one, but Zinn Nicotine Pouches are already there. Zinn has helped millions of people achieve a lasting change, earning the title of America's number one nicotine pouch. If you're a smoker or you're a dipper looking to make a change, look no further than Zinn. Zinn is made with six simple ingredients and is available in a wide range of varieties, including spearmint, citrus, and even coffee. And it's available in two strengths so you can control your nicotine satisfaction. Because it's discreet, you can enjoy it anywhere, anytime, so you never have to miss a moment of the game. Plus, every can of Zinn earns you points towards premium items like tailgating gear, top-of-the-line tech, Zinn swag, even gift cards. Find your Zinn at your local convenience store or online at Zinn.com. That's Zinn, Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I think to go back with, to... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I feel <clears throat> I feel like the 50% is almost perfect. Like you would, you would obviously say uh, at the beginning of the year that their odds were much, much, much higher. But from how they've played, where they're at, the energy level. Oh, that was the other thing too that we didn't uh we didn't get into was the the Jason Kipnis. Did you see this? Yep. I did not see it. What do you okay. say? So Jason Kipnis was asked about um Francisco Lindor and his leadership. Or they were basically talking about the um they were talking about the leadership in the Mets clubhouse overall. Uh, so not necessarily just Lindor. This was on the foul, foul territory podcast. All those veterans and no leadership. Ooh. Well, you played with Lindor. Is he a leader? I'm going to repeat it again. All those veterans and no leadership. If everybody's a veteran there, you're kind of just under the assumption that everybody's taking care of their business and, going about the things the right way, but you kind of need someone to be those, those bumper pins kind of on each side with people start getting out of line a little bit. It just, it, it helps keep people in, in, in order and in track and focus on the same thing. Everybody gets a little comfortable because there's all veterans and you don't really have to worry about what you're doing. Cause it's like, you can do no wrong. You kind of forget that little being on edge when you're a young guy and then you're like, Oh, I don't know if a veteran saw me or I shouldn't be doing this. You lose that kind of, should I be doing the right thing mentality? Hmm. Jason Kipnis, former teammate with the guards. 
Yeah, I don't really know what to say about that because obviously I've never spent any time in a clubhouse with Francisco Lindor. So Kipnis has got me beat there. But but like what 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 lack of discipline within the Mets are we really taught? Like, I don't the problem hasn't been from an outsider's perspective. And Jason Kipnis is also an outsider, to be fair. Like it, it hasn't seemed like this this clubhouse is in turmoil and the team is running amok off the field. It just seems like they're not playing well enough and haven't had their best players for long stretches of the season. Like, I don't I don't understand why that's a reflection on Francisco Lindor as a leader. I just don't really get that. You also have plenty of other veterans on that team and you also have Buck Showalter as a manager. And I don't like what what role is. But I know that the player leader is a different force within a clubhouse than the manager. But what role is Buck Showalter playing there if the clubhouse dynamics are so out of whack that we're, we're talking about a total leadership void? I, I To me, it's I know it feels like a little bit of a pot shot from from Kipnis that well he's big isn't really time. based on anything he's like, I don't walked understand. it back big time well there you go yeah like he go. he had like 40 tweets about like you know all all the nobodies on Twitter this is why I don't go on Twitter people coming at me like I didn't mean it like that it's like how else could you have meant it yeah also also by the way in the clip that you just played he said it and then there he was said a follow-up and then he doubled down by phrasing it the exact same way. So I don't want to hear whether it's true or not. Clearly, he's walking it back, so it's garbage. But like, I don't want to hear about how it's the losers on Twitter who have never played, who mm-hmm. don't understand the perspective that you were delivering. Actually, man, you just said something and you now have to own what you said. Right. Uh, sorry about it's, it, I guess. I don't one, know. Like, one more time. We're joined by Dallas Braden. Of fuck, the, uh, fuck all the losers whoa, on Twitter. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Game. What happened? Your game. Your game. Oh, okay. Jesus Christ. No, no, you're right. It is your game. Me showing up is your game. Uh, Where's no, the no. fucking? Did... Where's the... <laughs> Tell him Joe's dickheads. Hold on. Hello. All right. Uh... Yeah. Um, did you did you hear what Jason Kipnis had to say about the leadership in the clubhouse uh, with the Mets and the shot that he took at Francisco Lindor? And then walked back like a coward mm-hmm. or no? No, what, ha- what all those veterans and no leadership? Ooh, well, you played with Lindor. Is he a leader? I'm going to repeat it again. All those veterans and no leadership. Oh, wow! Sounds like something that got taken out of context that he didn't mean to say, doesn't wow. it? Or not? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, okay. Hold on. So, so the, oh, <laughs> that's pretty strong. That's, I mean, that's very strong. strong. What? 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 what uh, I mean. I've been awake for fucking 39 seconds right now. Mm-hmm. W- what is the context of this? What happened? No, uh, nothing. Just, that's ex- just they're not playing well. Like yeah. that's that was my follow up is like what what specific incident is prompting a a public lashing of Francisco Lindor's leadership? Like this team is two games under 500 and has missed huge chunks of season by their stars. Like I just don't. And I'm glad he walked it back because to me, it always came off. These are comes his off tweets. As a pot shot. These are his tweets. Not trying to go at anybody with the video yesterday. They were asking what the locker room looked like, so he speculated because that's all we can do. We don't actually know what's going on in there because we're not there. Not trying to be the old head guy, so I'll choose wiser words. I said what I said. We'll move on because I don't have the energy nor the want to do the Twitter back and forths. Also, 
Frankie wasn't expected to be a leader when he was so young. I bet he's grown into a damn good one. We're just talking shit because they're not winning like they can. Okay. Fuck it. I'm glad I'm glad we fit Jason Kipnis into the 2023 season. Yeah. Then someone said, you're about as good of a media personality as you were a ball player. And man, you were a shitty ball player. And he said, ah, baseball, Twitter, useless comments from useless people. Quick reminder of why I got away from Twitter in the first place. P.S. Well, I'm not going to call six. Jason Kipnis a useless ball player. No, he's he contributed an to a lot of important Cleveland wins. But yeah. he said sick men's league action shot. So Whoa, I think that's a cheap shot. That, that's just a guy right now. All right. Here, here's my take on it. He got his first taste of a video going viral. For, like he said something <laughs> that he thought no one was going to hear. Everyone heard it. And then he was like, oh, I didn't mean that shit. <laughs> well, I, I feel like I feel like it's a. Uh, he knows that his opinion or that his statement on the matter would carry weight because of his relationship or lack of, apparently, whatever, however you want to look at it, with Francisco Lindor, right? And so you, you fire off that statement, and yeah, he was kind of, I don't want to say given an opportunity to maybe rephrase it, but they were like, hold on, what about the shortstop that they gave a boatload of money to that you're pretty familiar with like is that is that not a leader in that room and he made it very clear like i'll i'll say it again i i would have loved to honestly i would have loved to have seen his facial expression while saying that part very stoic yeah there was there was not much of a change in and, facial expression and so that is <clears throat> in my opinion also kind of like you know emoting like um right you did hear what I just said, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate you adding Lindor's name to it, but I'm going to go ahead and just repeat what I said so that you get that message. And yeah, it does sound like uh, the Wolves came and he was like, you know what? I'm so fucking over this. Mm. Like this is, and to his point, is that not what happens on Twitter? Is that not how that goes? Like uh, you say something that somebody mentality. doesn't like. Yeah. What's that? It's just mob mentality. It's like one person yeah. is like, fuck this guy. He's like, yeah, fuck this guy. It's, it's exactly. And so if you don't know. Oh, well, you played with Lindor. Is he a leader? I'm going to repeat it again. All those veterans and no leadership. <laughs> like he doesn't break like nothing about his face changes. He's just like, no, all those veterans and no leadership. Like that's blank stare. Well, say what you, you know want about Kip Kipnis's media personality, but you can't say that about AJ Przinsky because that was a great freaking follow up to pin him yeah. on Lindor. <laughs> so what about Lindor? You're just saying he sucks. What do you think? <laughs> You're saying he sucks. That's a veteran. That's a great question. <clears throat> I mean, does that? Uh, I don't know if you guys have talked about this, Jay. Hey, how do you, how do you feel about hearing that? And is there any takeaway from how things? We're going in Cleveland, how things maybe could have gone in Cleveland. Ne never heard that uttered about him previously. So maybe I'm not paying close enough attention to that part of it. But uh, it, that was my thing is it didn't resonate at all because you never heard about clubhouse issues with Cleveland. Like you just never heard about clubhouse issues in Cleveland. And well, maybe and a huge part of that, I'm sure, is Tito. But like that has that has persisted. Um, and. I, you, there was nothing about this Mets season or the Mets in general since Lindor arrived to suggest that what has been holding them back has been clubhouse dynamics or a clubhouse rip. I can't pretend to know for sure, 
but there have been no reports of that. So that was my well, reaction. Just, it's like, where is this coming from? Like, the, there was no, there was no, there was no specific incident as it relates to the clubhouse that precipitated this line of questioning or this response. As far as I'm concerned, like they're just not playing well, that well. <laughs> that, and that, that's where that's where I would say, um, like I, I, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with your assessment that there wasn't any clubhouse issues. I because what I now you know what I'm thinking about right now is the you remember the initial dust up between McNeil and yes. Lindor, yes, right. Um, so a common denominator between what Jason Kipnis has said and what happened in New York upon arrival is Francisco Lindor. Is that fair to say? I I guess yeah. Um, uh, like that's that's as far as I'm going with that right now. Like th- I'm not saying like, do you see the do you, do you see the connection? No, I'm just saying, Kipnis played with Lindor, right? True or false? True. And then Lindor gets to New York. Expectations. I don't want to say jockeying for leadership, but you kind of need to. You know, I don't want you, you kind of need to fill a role, so to speak. And I, I think that comes along with the territory. And then they have their back and forth, whatever the, you know, whatever they're conversation was about so when i hear that i hear kipnis saying you know maybe and like he did in his walking back of the statement maybe francisco Lindor wasn't ready to be a leader in cleveland it's almost like i feel like he's kind of saying like damn we could have needed or you know we needed a leader we could have used his leadership then maybe he was a little young for that and and you know came with those expectations but wasn't ready but it just seems like a very backhanded thing to say um, but I also do want to just, you know, if we're looking at this objectively, I do want to remind folks about that dust up that happened in New York and remind folks that Kipnis is a teammate of Lindor's. And just because you didn't hear it from elsewhere doesn't mean that there wasn't something to that, but it, it I, I, fuck man, it just seems like such a stretch to say something like that when you haven't, to your point, Jay, Hey, haven't heard this about Lindor from anywhere else that this is the last thing i'm going to say on this because if i say any more i'm probably going to get myself in trouble by speculating Mm. but uh if there was a role to be played on that on those cleveland teams where kipnis and lindor overlapped the leadership role presumably should have been filled by jason kipnis so i don't and not francisco lindor i don't understand why he's being scapegoated here he was an exceedingly young player at the time he and kipnis were playing together and Kipnis right. was also young to be fair but like was was generally older and was a staple in the middle of that infield for a half decade so I just I'm not I guess I'm just not really giving any of this credence and I don't think it's fair to us to um, vaguely assign responsibility for the Mets slow start to a guy who has shown up every day and played every day, unlike many of their highest paid and most important contributors, because that's what Lindor has done. So I'm off. I'm off it. Yeah, I I, I just think uh, I, I think, yeah, he said something that got picked up and it's his first experience of, you know, saying something in a fashion where he knew he had a platform, but he still kind of felt like it was insulated to an extent, and it did pick up steam. <laughs> there were eyeballs on it, and now folks are talking about it like we are. So it, it is. It's his first experience in what it's like to say something that 
that you have to back up. That, that you have to stand by. And, and yeah, because yeah. ultimately what people are going to ask for is, okay, well, you didn't just say this out of nowhere, right? You have an experience that I'm sure you're drawing on. Do you care to share with the rest of the class? And if that answer is no, then I would think an apology should follow because you shouldn't like as a teammate, as a former teammate, I'm not saying anything that I can't substantiate. And if I say something that is going to need to be substantiated, then I'm in essence putting in the balance my relationship with the individual that I'm talking about and whoever I'm talking about it with. Like there's an evaluation, right? And that's why it's a slippery slope, man. You you just you you learn though. You learn what to say, what not to say, you learn how to say it. And if this is a media thing that he'll be doing, then I'm sure he, you know, it's a lesson learned. Yeah. Francisco Lindor was the best player on a 101 win team last year for the Mets. So I'm not sure what his brand of leadership is exactly, but it uh, it has been working fine. And quite frankly, it's been working a lot better than what the Mets looked like before Francisco Lindor got there. So mm. <laughs> it's true. I also just I don't know. I feel like that's uh, if if you're thinking about the relationship between Jason Kipnis and Francisco Lindor, then you have to mentally put you and yourself in the spot of when did they, what was the peak of their relationship when Francisco Lindor was like 24 years old? Like yeah, youngster, like that's you're drawing from the experiences of a, of a player that hasn't been in the league for very long. That was playing on a team that had veterans like that had, like they had those guys, and even Terry Francona Kipnis had been himself. on the team for four seasons when Lindor arrived. Four seasons. Who is the leader there? Yep. Doesn't make any sense for it to be the twenty-two-year-old shortstop who just came up. Correct. Over over yep. your middle infield partner who's been there for, uh, who would be going into his fifth season when Lindor was making his debut. That's why I feel like there is a specific instance. There's a moment or maybe even a chain of small occurrences that have built up in the mind of Jason Kipnis where he hasn't shared them. They haven't been talked about. They haven't been made public. They weren't made public <clears throat> to your point about Tito in the clubhouse and, and tightening things up. And it feels like there's a story like he's got he's got a specific instance or he's got yeah, something can, that he's drawing on. I can envision but, exactly what that story sounds like. But we're yeah we're we'll never we'll never hear that that'll never be made public. I don't think we'll ever see Jason Kipnis on a podcast again. <laughs> was that on a was this on a podcast? What yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what was what uh, was this? It was uh, foul territory. It's the one with oh, okay. um, I think it's Scott Braun and AJ Przinsky. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so he was a guest. I thought he was like a like like I thought this was like on a post game show or something no, like that. No, 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 no. Oh, this was hope they enjoyed the free free BID bounce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh that was probably a first and last type deal. <laughs> well see, I don't know, man. I mean if he's if he's firing things like that off, people might be people might be well, interested in getting him on. Yeah, he's I, one for yes. one. He's batting a thousand, dude. <laughs> yes, but at the same time, like if you if you get your feet to the fire and immediately put out a series of like 20 tweets being like, all right, everyone leave me alone. Like, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> like, I don't think you're, you're cut out for the, for the podcast world. 
I'll say some dumb shit and then just be like, dude, fuck you. <laughs> like, and, and I'll be completely wrong. Like, I, I'll be wrong. Know that I'm wrong and just be like, all right, fuck you. I just I'll just put my phone down for like an hour and be like, all right, I'll come back. I'll come back when the news cycle changes in 45 minutes and you guys won't remember this. <laughs> fuck that L. Yeah, I'll just wear it. I'm not counting it. Yeah. Like what? Last weekend when uh when I like the the ray i think it was yanni diaz at the grand slam the rays went up six nothing in the bronx and i was like ah, this is what it's like when the best team in baseball plays a poverty ass last place team and the yankees came back and won and i just muted the conversation <laughs> like, i was like i was like i'm not i'm not updating you on what happened in this game like yeah the fucking rays were up six nothing that's a win in my mind that's a win you yeah. guys are poverty. The Rays are the best team. You guys should have lost that game. No, I'm not going to update you on on the comeback. Fuck you. That's that's what that's what real men do. You throw a fucking punch wildly, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't land, just walk away. You turn the fucking phone off and you walk away. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I did. Like I want to say, like I I gotta find it because I bet you that that tweet's got to have over a thousand replies. Like I was just eating it all day and <laughs> did not give a fuck. Yeah, like you guys can you guys can there, scream to the void. I don't give a shit. Uh, there, there, Jason there Kipnis certain... could never. That tweet. <laughs> this is what it looks like when the best team in baseball plays the last place poverty franchise, just taking care of business. Uh, One point six million views on this tweet. <laughs> uh, Eight hundred and ninety-one replies. Three hundred and eighty-three quote tweets. Didn't see one of them. <laughs> <laughs> do you? I, I got to ask you, like, do you uh, <laughs> and no and no pun intended. This is just what came to my mind. Do you walk a little taller when you <laughs> when you're like, I didn't fucking hear any of that. Not <laughs> yeah. <as> that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you could just like there's an option for mute conversation. So the second the second the Yankees came back, I was like, boop. Mute, mute conversation and everyone's like update update you got an update on this it's like no i don't actually i'm i'm about to yeah. make some DiGiorno pizza though yeah, I'm, I'm onto these fucking chicken tenders bud yeah yeah and then you know the the day changes a, and uh that's a hell of an approach yeah the next story happens I, you just move on i need i need to i need to start doing you got to show me how to mute shit yeah, it's very easy. It's just like that top right corner. You can you can mute people. So I I um, are you fucking serious? Yeah, I. <laughs> Where's my phone? I equate the option of like muting people to like in Jaws when they shoot the shark with the barrel to like mark it. Yeah, that's like gonna- that's muting for me because when I mute someone, like if I have a tweet right that. I see like fucking there's 30 replies under there, but five of them like this person has been muted. I'll like look to see what they said. It's not like like mute like me muting you isn't going to make it so that I can never see what you said again. But it's it's me marking you. It's like, well, if I if I mute you, I'm marking you as a fucking asshole. It's like, oh, this guy sucks. So like I I know not to engage with that person. Dude, I. I, I only rarely bust that out. The mute? I know you have to. Yeah, I know you have to deal with a lot, like infinite more nonsense than I ever could imagine on Twitter. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's reserved for people with a very special place in my heart. Yeah, no, I've I've probably have muted like thirty five hundred people. Damn, oh, my shit. God. That is like a full time job. Yeah. Well, I mean, it 
I'm a professional at it now. But I mean, I, my whole thing is like, if I put out a troll tweet and you respond to it seriously, or like your first, your first action is to talk to me in a way that like you're just a fuck. Like I can tell you're a piece of shit. That's gonna be a mute. But like I, I think when when you talk about Twitter etiquette and muting people. Like, it's like, oh, like he hurt my feelings and I can't see it. Like, if I mute people, I still see everything that they say. It's not about protecting my feelings. It's about marking the shark. Like, I've marked you as someone that is a piece of shit. They're cursed. So it, it's basically it's, a it's, a, it's a don't engage with this person marker. Like, because you can't win if you respond to this person. It's basically, yeah, that's what it is for me. Not me. When I do it, it's a hex. If I mute you, you're bound to have bad luck for the next like 10 years. How many people do you have muted, Joe? Maybe two or three, max. Two or three? Yeah, yeah Joey and I are on the same page with this one. Oh, yeah, my I'm about God. To, I'm about to start muting the fuck out of people. Yeah, you got to <laughs> mute. Like, don't, because if you block them, then like, obviously, if if they're, if, there's, if they're as much of an asshole that deserves being blocked, that's their World Series. Like, they want that's to be goal. blocked. Yeah, the only time that I'll ever block someone is if they're spamming. Like if you're just tweeting me the same picture to like you're responding to every single one of my tweets with by saying the same thing or if I'm having a car like say I'm having a conversation with Dallas on Twitter <clears throat> and you just keep interjecting then I'll I'll probably block you. It's like dude, like imagine like me and Dallas are like at my house and then you just walk in the front door and are like, yeah, but like, this is how I feel about the topic that you guys are talking about. <laughs> like that's that. Yeah. So I have, uh, I have, uh, 104 people blocked and I have muted 3,439 people and I have wow. four muted words. Um, you can, Dude, mute. you have, you have muted more people than I fucking follow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, me too. Yeah. Um, you can mute words and phrases as well. I have muted four phrases. Uh, can you guess any of them, Dallas? Stand up when you're talking to me. Uh, <laughs> Short. Look me in the eye. I, I uh, muted, how's the weather down there? I muted um, leg day. <laughs> I have muted football is on. Like once football season comes around, like September, and I'm tweeting baseball highlights, and all oh, the yeah. fucking dickheads are like, "Bro, football's on, dude. Why are you tweeting? Why are you, I know that like you cover baseball, and baseball's on, but like football's on. Why are you tweeting? But why are you putting this on my timeline? Uh, cannabis, anytime, dude, bro. I I thought your name was cannabis. <laughs> Did I? Has anyone ever said? That, hey, hey has why, why do you ever called you cannabis before? Why does every time that your your name pops up in my timeline, it looks like cannabis? I don't, I don't like the fact that you're associating the word cannabis with somebody who's speaking slower mm -hmm. and appears to be less intellectual. I don't. Well, that's, that's true. A, well, these are dumb people. These are dumb people that can't read. Uh, and then I muted age well. Oh, back to your back to your Yankee tweet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this isn't gonna age well. This tweet didn't age well. well no, this is definitely not gonna <laughs> age well. Oh man, did this did this age well? No way, dude. Good luck with this aging well. So <laughs> that is uh four phrases that I have muted. Uh, but yeah, I got I've I've marked think about that though. I, I've been on Twitter since two thousand nine and 
I've only had to mark 3,500 pieces of shit out of the thousands of replies that I get. That's not too bad. Right? Seems like a large number. How? I mean, objectively, I would say I, I get... I, I've engaged with over a million people on Twitter before. And my jail population is 3,500. That's not bad. My original mute was the big burrito. What's that? What is that? (laughs) Showing. Oh. Oh. See ya. Uncle Kurt. Jake, book Uncle yeah, we, Kurt. We put Uncle, we put Uncle Kurt in the back room and we closed that door. <laughs> oh, what a Thanksgiving. That yell, yell when we need the bedpan change. That's what we said. <laughs> Damn. Oh. Interesting. Not blocked. Muted. Muted. Um, the baseball season's in full swing. Whether you're rooting for the home team or betting on your favorite player. DraftKings Sportsbook has got you covered for all this season's action. And right now, new customers can place a $5 bet and get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, everyone can hit one out of the park with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Um, Spencer Strider fucked me last night. I had the over on strikeouts, and he struck out seven, which is like, even still, you'd be like, oh, he struck out seven last night. That's pretty good. That was like a season low for him. His season low was eight before that. And he had struck out nine or more in all but one start. And that one start was eight strikeouts. So, of course, when I take the over on his strikeouts, uh, he strikes out seven. Uh, Join the big league action right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app. Sign up with the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D. New customers can bet just $5 on any bet and get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code Jared. Uh, I, I just thought of this because... I do it now. As as you guys know, I hiccup at least one time per podcast. You see Bo Jackson is he's he's had the hiccups for like a year. What? You didn't see that? Uh, I am respectfully. I'm not even going to talk about that because I don't want any of that smoke from Bo or for the hiccup gods from the hiccup gods. So I mean, I, I don't know how I have to tiptoe around this, but I feel very bad for Bo, and I just hope that nobody ever has to deal with anything like that. That is a major imposition. It sounds like I've dealt with hiccups for an extended period of time before, and that is it's just fucking miserable. How long did you have the hiccups for? I had them for like three days. And three days? Yeah. How did you get? How did you get the hiccups for three days? I, I think it was me <clears throat> like I, I did it diving too. like this happened to me uh, when I was spearfishing and I came up and <clears throat> like I had, you know, I'd stalled out, decompressed, come up and swallowed water on the way up and was like, oh, you know, not a lot. I was fine. But <clears throat> in my effort to like cough up all the salt water and shit like that. Like, I feel like fucking, this is what I told myself. I was like, I just got fucking, I got air in all the wrong tubes and it's trying to come out and I just got too much in there. And that's why it persisted for fucking three days. It wasn't like incessant, like every 20 seconds, hiccup, hiccup. it was, you know, that you have the hiccups and it's going to, you're going to fire one off like at least once a minute, 
but it's not going away. Like you'll go through, like I went through like, you know, periods of a couple hours where you have the hiccups and it's a grind and it just didn't go away for like three days. That sounds miserable. It was fucking miserable. Did you, you don't want to yeah, talk? You, f- you don't want to, you don't want to do shit, dude. Like I didn't want to go out like day two. I had to go to physical therapy and, you know, work out and play catch and do all like, you know, do the grind. You think I wanted to I, can't fucking fuck. It's miserable. Miserable. Cause Ma- that's all you're thinking about. Imagine like, I don't want to say anything. Cause I'm going to fucking- with the hiccups. <laughs> what <laughs> year was it on myself? Imagine you cost yourself uh, a perfect game because you hiccuped mid pitch. Th- th- this was, uh, this was like 2013. I was done playing or I was actually, I was rehabbing on my way back to, to play. This was when I lived in Hawaii, right before I moved back and threw that fateful bullpen on the mound at UCLA or my arm just fucking disintegrated. Mm. Damn. You must've felt, yeah, you must've felt like a real piece of shit. You're like, here I am. <laughs> can't even wipe my own ass i've had the hiccups for three days i don't know if they're ever going to end how do you make them well, stop? it was it was a very defeating moment because i was actually on the hunt for a fucking octopus at the time and that's why i came up i came up quick because i found one <clears throat> and was ready to go back down but they choked on fucking seawater and that was just mother nature going no nah, not the octopus today pal it's you you're gonna fucking wear this one <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it was it was it was a dark time in my life. Would you Jay, do anything to get rid of him? Fuck yeah! Like why? Uh, anything. <laughs> day two, I would have done anything. But you did. You did have a day two. What did you do? I I, I hated life. I didn't. I did. But what all did you shit, do to get like, rid of them? You scare yourself? They just they just went away. No, that's what I was just gonna say. Like I tried to do absolutely everything you try to do. Like turn up the music loud to like oh shock myself like i how do i that scare myself fucking, i'm not yeah that doesn't work dude but like drinking that's, water that's like a high down. dallas thing oh. to do oh i'm gonna fucking turn up the music loud and be like whoa <laughs> well i mean i mean there's a strong possibility i was i was probably um medicated but i wanted to mm-hmm. like well, how else am i gonna skip what am i gonna fucking jump out from around the corner and look in the mirror <laughs> Ooh. I don't know, Dallas. Do you have fucking friends? Do you have other people in your life that maybe you could have tapped on the shoulder and said, hey, I've had the hiccups for three days. Do you think you could like at some point scare me? Uh, I'll I'll be honest. Yeah, I had friends there, but they had jobs and I was only around them during the workday for a couple hours at a time because those are my they were the trainers who were rehabbing me and all that. Mm. I was on an island, Jared, in the middle of fucking the Pacific Ocean. Literal island. Literal island. <laughs> Literally and metaphorically. You were on an island. You were on Hiccup Island, and there was no one that could save yeah. you. There's no lifeboat. Miserable. Yeah. Miserable. It's miserable. I yeah. don't wish that upon anybody. Yeah. Well, Bo Jackson's got it. So I hope he Bo knows uh, cups. It sucks. Yeah. I absolutely hope that that he doesn't continue to have these hiccups. Um Domingo Herman. He accepted that shit. Ten game <laughs> suspension for the stickiest hands in the history of the world is what we've been told. It's Brian Hoke, by the way. A lot of Yankee fans. By the way, I, I told you. It, that's the thing, Dallas. All these motherfuckers tweeting me because I, I, I hype up my boy Judgy. 
They're like, you switched up, man. You switched up. What happened to the Yankee hating Carabas? We want him back. I still, I still wish that the Yankees would lose every game. That doesn't mean that I can't root for my boy Judgy. But then, yeah. but me doing that, right? That opens up the baseball is dead door to one of the biggest fan bases in professional sports. We get more Yankee fan listeners now than ever before because of my relationship with Judgy. <laughs> what? I just uh, is is just is say thank continue? you, dude. What the fuck? Like it's the most <laughs> obvious prompt to thank me of all time. Yeah, are you are you growing? Is that what's happening? The podcast is yeah. Because <laughs> I think I think you're I think you're starting to tread in what could become choppy water. No, because I don't like. I don't hype up Harrison Bader. Why not? Yeah. I don't know. I think he's a tool. <laughs> wow. Judgy's wow. Judgy's class. He's a Judgy. He's a great player who respects the game first and foremost. MVP. And um he's just a winner. I just like the guy. And do you you, and you feel like that relationship is going to compromise things, or what? What's going to compromise what? Red Sox, Red Sox fans know. getting mad at me? No, no, no. I think it's just people are just like, oh, oh, you, what are you fucking, what are you a Yankee fan now? No, it's just, it's just judgy. There's no like, and Booney too, because he, uh, he gets a lot of praise from me, whereas he doesn't get a ton from Yankee fans. No, Yankee fans not not very happy with Booney for whatever reason. I don't know. I I would I would love to have a manager that was more like I don't know. Like he'll just say like I'm also in the same boat where Cora will just say how he feels. Boney will just say how he feels. There's too many uh there's too many politicians managing baseball teams. They feel like they come from that old school of I got to say the right thing versus I'm just going to say how I feel. Well, I think that's a point that managers aim to get to, and not not all managers are in that position mm -hmm. where they where they feel like they can say what they want. You know who says whatever the fuck he feels? Bob Guerin. <laughs> I haven't talked to Bob in a while, so I, I I couldn't tell you. Yeah, we know you haven't talked to him in a while. <laughs> Probably blocked him on Twitter. <laughs> Dallas sitting there being like, "How do you? I don't know how to block and mute." Fucking, he's got he's got Bob Guerin blocked on every. I got, I got I got the block thing figured out, but I think I've only got like five people blocked. Okay. So you say, um, Domingo Herman accepted the ten game suspension. <laughs> I just searched Bob Guerin. Third thing comes up: Bob Guerin, Dallas Braden. <laughs> 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 That's that is all you assholes. Every every single bit of that is you assholes. Bob Garrett, you search it on Twitter or Google? Google. Oh, yeah. There's like a whole Bob Garrett and his legendary <laughs> incompetency continues to grow. And yeah, I mean, we got Dallas Braden being mentioned because you had your groove going against the Cubs. They were off balance. <laughs> or something and some shit happened. Who cares? But it was a good outing against the Cubs. So there's definitely That's people that listen to this podcast that 
are just like, wait, what did happen between Bob Garen and Dallas Braden? <laughs> Every time right. you, you yeah. Google Bob Garen, it just Dallas's name is attached to it now. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. That's funny. Well, if you want to know, just DM me. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll give you the whole story. RIP your DMs. Tell me that I'll give you the story before the Netflix series comes out. It's called Railroading Bob. <laughs> you guys are sad. No, I'm happy. You guys win last night? That's right. <clears throat> Jared, I'm, I'm, you know, this is a long game, mm-hmm. you know, long, like you yeah. get caught up in the individual wins and losses. And I think your, your season can, can become awfully turbulent. Yeah. You know, I agree. So I, yeah, I, I, I choose to, to place my emphasis on really the, the totality of this season and we're not there yet. So, yeah, I'm going to Dallas. Yeah, there's a I, lot. Of, can I ask you a question about Jay Hay while Jay Hay's here? Absolutely. Mm. Do you feel like in the years that we've been podcasting together, which is now seven, almost a decade. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Um, do you feel like Jay Hay has become, he's almost completed his metamorphosis into a 100% neutral fan. Like I almost don't associate him with the guardians anymore. <laughs> um, Yes and no. I, I still always, always know that he's a, a passionate guardian fan because I always just, I, I think I remember his, uh, like the displeasure around not locking up Jose Ramirez earlier. And, but I feel like, like he just, would be just as passionate about a conversation where like another franchise didn't lock up their star. Like it's all, like, does Jay Hay love the game of baseball more than the Cleveland guardians? I think the answer is yes. Um, he is a, he's a fan a major fan of the entire sport yes. and he values talent across the game and he wants the talent to be acknowledged all at the same time while appreciating his fandom for the team. That means a lot to him, not only because it's his team, it was <clears throat> his grandfather's team. There's his family loves this team. Mm-hmm. So there's a deep, deep rooted tie to this franchise for him. Uh, but at the same time, I think over the years and the displeasure with how things have gone, he has found a way to find pleasure in the success of other players. And that has ultimately been the water that has floated his boat here recently. Mm. Jay, hey, care to comment? I think it's, I think it's a natural byproduct of working in and around, and I've been blessed to do so, but in and around baseball since I was, you know, like 24 years old, basically. Um, you know, I joined baseball tonight full time in my first World Series was 2011. Um, so, you know, we're now 12, 13 seasons into this. And um, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're both right, really. The the Guardians Cleveland franchise is at this point mostly a a mutual bond that I have with members of my family. Um, and my grandparents are no longer here. So that that took a chunk out of it for sure. Um, cause I don't go to Cleveland and go to the games as much as I used to. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, 2016 was kind of like a second peak for me from a fandom perspective. Um, because I was able to 
experience some of that World Series live. Um, my brother was able to go to one of the games um, in Cleveland, which was really cool. Uh, and and you know, for various work related reasons, and the fact that they lost, and and have you know, I think that was just kind of another chapter for my fandom. So I am. I'm exceedingly invested in the sport over the Guardians specifically at this point. And mm. that's a lot because of the work that I do and this podcast and how I like to contribute here. It's I like to touch on all 30 teams and I like to try and make sure that I'm informed on all of them. Um, and then, you know, the research stuff I do as well. So it's yeah, it's it's just a natural. I think it's really hard. I think it's harder to maintain your fandom while working in and around baseball than it is to lose it. Um, the mm. fandom of a specific team, not of the sport. Um, mm. Because you become opened up to and you start to dive into how other franchises operate and the things that get you to rally around your franchise or the things that get you to rally against your franchise at times, you start to see kind of play out over the entire landscape. And now the marriage you have that is fueled by that passion starts to dissipate a little because you're putting energy in these other places and you're watching it unfold similarly in other places. And you start to realize, you know what? I am fired up about one team here, but there are 29 other ones that to some extent probably go through the same stuff I do. And with all of the research you do, yeah, you start to figure out like, you know what? I think I'm just a fan of the game. Yeah. And I think like the guardians at the time, you know, obviously named different at the time, but like they were my entry into the sport. Like they helped facilitate, me falling in love with the game and, you know, bonding with it, uh, with my dad and my grandparents and my brothers, um, you know, who maintain a fandom as well, Brandon and Dylan shout out. Um, but they like, it, it's just been so long. Like I cried over the 97 result, right? Like I was 12 at the time. Like I remember Fuck. that happening. I remember Pussy. how, I remember how it happened and I cried. And like, that was the last time I ever cried over baseball or about anything related to the Guardians. So it's like, that's just not really the fan that I am. And I, I don't think even if I hadn't worked in baseball, I don't I think my Guardians fandom would have waned as I got older anyway, maybe not quite as um, significantly significantly, but I think it would have waned. Um, but whatever I've lost in Guardians fandom, I've gained in, uh, as Dallas said, an appreciation for lots of the fun stuff that's been going on in the game. And uh and some very cool memories that I've gotten to experience uh, because of, of working in and around it. Yeah. So it's interesting. <clears throat> and by the way, and the last thing I'll say is I part of the breaking point for me in terms of like, I was this sort of fan. Now I'm this sort of fan. I cannot care more than the owner of the team. I just cannot do it. It's a fair. Point. And yeah. And, and that's just how the team has been operated. Like I was very spoiled as a youngster in the nineties because they were operated as an entirely different entity than they have been operated on for the last 15 to 20 years so had a great run when i was a formative fan when i was a youngster when it was probably most important to me to be that sort of fan and now i get to look at it from a different point of view and too often that's a sobering point of view for the guardians and how they invest in the team but yeah it, it, it would be it's like the cool aunt or uncle who you see during the holidays and it's just a kick-ass time when they're over at the house. It's fun. You love their presence. Like they just they make they make the time. And then for whatever reason, that person transitions into the aunt or uncle who's like, here's a five dollar birthday card. I don't yeah. come to town. We don't talk. We don't anything. 
like, you know, the, the relationship is completely different. And that's how baseball franchises, when ownership changes and sh- that's how they feel is, you know, one group is, is here for the, the romance of the sport is here for everything that the game can do for fandom. Yeah. And then there's other groups who don't operate their, their business model, even remotely close to that. I, I have some very specific guardians related memories that I hold very dear and that are like with me for the rest of my life. Like I've told it before, I think on starting nine, but like when I took my grandparents and my dad to the game and Terry uh, Tito came over and like carved out, so, like right before the game carved out, like a full 10 minutes to just sit there and talk to my grandparents and my dad. Like, you know, that's, I will literally never forget that. And I know my grandparents didn't either. And, uh, so that's that's where my fandom is. It's less about what did the Guardians do on Tuesday afternoon in 2023, and it's more like these these individual memories that that I'll cherish. And you know, maybe we'll add to that, maybe we won't. But either way, I think it's been a very worthwhile relationship. Yeah. To your point about uh, like getting too close to the team too. Like I don't like that's why I don't go in the clubhouse. Like I. Like obviously have relationships with the players, but I still keep my distance because, um, like when you work in baseball, you can you can lose your fandom. Like if you if you're working for or around a baseball team, like you you can well, compromise let me, that. Let, let me, and I'm not I'm not poo pooing that at all because we all process this stuff differently. My experience has been to absolutely maintain those relationships and absolutely allow them to happen. And then if they fade naturally over time, then that's what it is. And because I don't ever want to have missed out on the opportunity, you know, like the conversations you could have with people, it could be in passing. It could be a two minute exchange that makes a huge impact on your life or your outlook, or maybe it's something that you share with them that they never thought they were going to hear because they just never took the time to have a conversation with somebody like you in that position. And I would hate to think like last night, man, uh, it was great. We, you know, we got in town super late, but um, the relationship I have with these guys on the team, coaching staff, all of that, I I couldn't imagine not being able to have the conversations I have with them and not, not being able to just exist the way we do together if I didn't open myself up to what is ultimately the potential of losing a friend, right? Because if they go, they're gone. It's not like I get to see them in the clubhouse the next day. They're gone. They're gone forever unless they come back. So, but to to not have the opportunity to to have that relationship initially, I think that for me would be the bigger miss. That would be the bigger swing and miss. Um, because Vin Scully talked about this. He talked about it a lot early. Didn't want to get too personal with the players. Why? Because you have to be critical of them. And to his point, they're not going to be there forever. Like Vin Scully wasn't going anywhere. Eric Karros, come and gone. Mike Piazza, come and gone. Right? All these let come and gone. He's still there. So that was his approach. And I mean, I don't think anybody's knocking fucking Vinny. Right. Not in front of me. Don't don't do it out loud. But like that's the just that's the differences in how in how people navigate these these moments in time. And I just I wouldn't want to miss out. Yeah, that's because like Jay, one of the coolest, like a guardian story 
and this happened in spring. This happened in spring training actually this year. Um, Karen Check and you know the Guardians were in town, and Karen Check came up to me in the bullpen, and because they're stacked bullpens in uh, at the at the stadium in Mesa, and Karen Check came up, you know, shake his hand, hey, what's up? Talking to him a little bit, and he sat down, and Sandy Alomar, Sandy had walked by and like did a double take and then stopped, came over, like reached over, gave me a hug, was like, man, it's good to see you. He's like, hey, you down here now? He's like in the trenches. And like, you know, he's saying all this shit and he's kind of loud talking. He's like, man, he's like, these kids, they need this, man. They need this. They need the knowledge. He's like, it's so glad to see you down here, DB. And like every time Sandy speaks to me, I still am just like, this is fucking Sandy fucking Alomar, dude. This is so fucking cool. And like he, he, he just the way he treats me and I couldn't imagine not wanting to create that relationship with a guy like Karen chick or create that relationship with a guy like Sandy. Yeah. And followed you know, me. Karen check did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are, are Sounds like that's not now? a relationship. You'll be <laughs> honestly. He, he, I think he's such a fucking psycho that there was like, some game in like 2021 maybe or maybe his last year i can't remember but he was at fenway like getting heckled pretty hard for like taking too long it was something like he was getting heckled at fenway and then he unfollowed me after that like he must have just like a so like oh jared red sox fan yeah fuck the red sox fuck red sox fan fuck, fuck you so. guys motherfucker <laughs> like nothing ha- i didn't say anything about him i didn't like tweet anything like nothing happened he's just a lunatic so but i respect it um <laughs> anyways uh some beers can say that they're brewed for baseball but only blue moon is brewed by baseball but uh beer and baseball just go together and no beer goes better than the one that was literally born in a ballpark blue moon was created at Coors field in denver colorado it's the natural choice for opening day and all season long uh i'll be cracking open some blue moons this weekend for padres red Sox, xander bogart's I'm going to be crying into my coriander this weekend with its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel with hints of coriander, subtle sweetness and hints of coriander. Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale is a one of a kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was brewed by baseball to give you a dose of nostalgia and get you excited for the new season. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something that's one of a kind? It's bold flavor, bright explosion of color, and iconic orange slice ritual. Guarantees a one of a kind beer experience. Perfect for spring weather. Best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful bright color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon. But you can enjoy it all season long. Bring the ballpark to you with Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale. It's a one of a kind every time. Check out shop.bluemoonbrewingcompany.com for beer and baseball merch or visit get.bluemoonbeer.com slash rocket to find Blue Moon delivery options. That's get.bluemoonbeer.com slash rocket. Blue Moon made brighter celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden Colorado Ale. All right, I have to go uh, because <clears throat> my body is falling apart. Like I was going to address all this stuff in the in the off season, but like you call to like make an appointment and like anytime you get an appointment with a specialist they're like yeah we can take you in eight and a half months does that sound good so that's that's where i'm at i was like fuck it it's like i i i have things to do during the season but i put this off long enough so i i have to go to the doctor which is probably my first time going to the doctor in like seven years at this point uh, but i am going i do have a final thought before i leave 
this is going to be fun to see what the podcast sounds like if I step away with these animals and they're just left to their own devices here. Uh, my final thought, Xander Bogarts, Boston Red Sox this weekend. Uh, it's going to be weird, especially, and I said this before, like we, were, we were doing the stop and chop look ahead on Name Redacted. James Paxton goes in the first game. Corey Kluber goes in the third game. So I don't really give a shit about that. It's not going to be weird. It's like two dudes who never even played with Xander or pitching against Xander. But that middle game, Chris Sale, I don't want to see Chris Sale versus Xander Bogarts. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see all the stupid headlines. Like, I've already seen one when I woke up this morning. Like, Xander Bogarts doesn't regret his decision to go to the Padres. Like, they're already trying to, like, drum up drama. Of course he doesn't. They gave him $280 million over 11 years. No one else was going to come remotely close to that. No one. So... I'm I'm preparing myself to be angry and frustrated this weekend. But if the Red Sox win the series, which they should, because uh, Blake Snell has not been good this year. Joe Musgrove, not very good to start the year. Uh, I forget who's going in the finale, Jake. Do you remember? Oh, Waka. That's going to be the other one that's going to fucking piss me off is because it's going to be Corey Kluber versus Michael Waka. So if the Red Sox don't win that game, they're like, why didn't you bring back Waka? Why didn't you bring back Waka instead of fucking you paid Corey Kluber and he sucks and you could have Michael Waka. So like, I'm just I'm prepared for a weekend of hot takes and it's going to be super annoying. Uh, but if the Red Sox win the, win the series, then it doesn't matter. Anyways, uh, you gentlemen, you uh. The uh, all the numbers are on the fridge. Call me if you need me. Don't stay up too late. Dallas, looking at you. No smoking huh. in the bathroom, okay? <laughs> smoking in the bedroom. Yeah. Let's okay. Go. All right, you guys. You guys have fun. All right. Good luck, buddy. All right. I'll I'll keep in touch. Moon River. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Fucking fine. Well, Jay, yeah, how goddamn time? Fuck. Fuck me. Can we can we take his name? Baseball? Can we take his name <laughs> off the mantle while we're here? Replace <laughs> it with uh, with our mugs. Baseball is dead with Jared Carabas. Baseball is dead with the three good looking ones. Um, about motherfucking time. You got some nugs, Jay? Hey, you've been cooking it up. Yeah, let's run it through. Uh, Chris Bassett last three starts, 23 innings pitched. Nine hits, zero mm-hmm. runs, and a 380 mm-hmm. OPS allowed. I know his scoreless streak extends back into that fourth start, actually. Um, but his his last three have been all perfect, 23 yeah. and zero. Sparkling. Uh, yeah, Jared. Uh, I know Jared was talking about Bogey and the Padres and the Red Sox meeting up. Bad run for the Padres. We hit on that earlier in the podcast. Two and nine over the last 11. And once again, the offense is not coming through. 30 runs. Over those 11 games, uh, I believe Tatis and Soto combined to go 0 for 9 last week as they dropped 2 of 3 to the Royals with cheese. With cheese. That's a bad one. Um, probably needed to take 2 of 3 there or would have liked yeah. to. Um, Marco Gonzalez, this is a tough one, um, but you know oh. I report the good and the bad. Uh, eight runs allowed in uh, under two innings pitched last night. He's the first Mariners pitcher to do that against the Red Sox. Since the big unit himself, wow. back on September 1st, 1991. Um, so for all of you who are waiting for an eight-run performance in fewer than two innings pitched, Mariners, Red Sox, you finally got it. <laughs> you got after, it. Yep. After a, uh, a multi-decade wait. Uh, the Cardinals, 
Glad everything's okay there. Eight and two in their last 10. They have scored 6.9 runs per game over those last 10 games, and they have a plus 34 run differential over those 10 games. Uh, so good thing, good thing they didn't sell the team. I mean, <laughs> are you saying are you saying bad baseball happens, Jay? Hey, is that yeah, is that something I, that happens? Like you could not play well for a week or so. I I don't know if the new management team would have been able to rip off an eight and two stretch like Oof. this. Um, you know, if the Dewitt family had decided to pull up stakes and and head on out. Um, and this is this is you know be a week though, but to I do, find. What's that? Sorry to. What's your, what's your no, no, please. Yeah. If we could find their ERA with Contreras behind the plate compared to whoever else is catching for them, I would love oh, to see that. Right. Yeah, I, I had that. Hold yeah. on. Um, yeah, and then my la- while I go and get that, my last nug, uh, we talked about Senga earlier in the podcast. I want to note that batters are five for 44 with 30 against strikeouts against the fourth ball this year. Five the for ghost. 44, 30 strikeouts. Uh, those are my nugs. Any reaction? Yeah, well, that is not surprising considering even the pitch itself doesn't know what it wants to do at at any given moment. That thing just is fucking devastating. Devastating. But yeah, I'm glad that the Cardinals fans are able to show their face again in public. I know that they're probably going to have to go back and restock their closets because they burned all the jerseys. They burned all their merch. So at least they get a new fresh thread because, my God, things were looking very, very dark for the St. Louis Cardinals. Just glad we opened up those voicemails. <laughs> Able um, to pull out of that, though. Uh, to Joey's question, uh, we're now at a point where Wilson Contreras's uh, catcher ERA, or the ERA while he's catching, is 4.75. Um, and on for Andrew Nisner, it's 3.82. So uh, the gap is closing very quickly because that was uh, like a five run gap the last time I looked like Ooh. last week. So, so they fixed him, bro. Yes. The, Ollie Marmol's one interpretation. One interpretation is that they fixed him. The other interpretation is that there was never a problem to begin with um, oh. and that he was scapegoated like as was reported on this very podcast. Almost like so, you just got to wait it out. Yep. Maybe he should have just chilled out for a second and it would have turned around fine. But, you know, it has turned around. So. Ali Marmol is a genius, I think, and a nice guy from all reports from Joe. That's, that's the rumor. That that's, is the rumor. Joe, what do you got? You got final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts for me? I would say, like, I like to follow the bad teams, and, like, these teams keep cycling in and out. First month of the season, <laughs> we had the White Sox. Shit team. They were getting roasted. We had the Cardinals. They were getting roasted. And I would even put, obviously, there's a lot of teams. I would even put the Tigers, okay? And if out of those three teams, oh, and in the A's. True. Whoa. <laughs> I forgot about the A's. But the White Sox, Jesus. the White Sox, everyone's ready. The worst team ever. They're still pretty bad. They're kind of done. They're out for the season. I'm erasing the White Sox. St. Louis, they graduated. Now they're not that bad anymore. And the Tigers, they also graduated. They're in second place. Shout out to the Tigers. They're out of the bad team, hot seat, worst team ever discussion. Everyone shits on them, but there's new teams entering. They're being replaced. And these are on my watch list for potential downfalls. Seattle Mariners. What's going on with Seattle? Padres. Mm. If they go on a bad run in the next 10 games, we're going to see a St. Louis, White Sox, 
debacle, managers getting interviewed. Are you going to get fired? Oh, you're going to bench blah, 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 blah. They're on my watch list. And it hurts me because I picked the Mariners to freaking go to the World Series. And I know mm. they're only a game under 500. I thought it was honestly worse. But after what they did against the Red Sox yesterday and after a week ago, I said they were going to be in second by the end of the week and they're not. I got my eye on them. Eye on them. It's never good when the team you pick to go to the World Series is on your mid-May watch list. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. They're gonna they're they're gonna need to reroute some things. <laughs> they're I just Definitely. I have a hunch. I have a hunch. I don't know. They haven't been playing that bad recently. They were honestly worse towards the beginning of the season. But there's something about them that's pissing me off. Probably because they betrayed me in my pick. But they are on my watch list. So them and the well, Padres. Padres you know are you, even worse. You you need to add your Wi-Fi signal to your watch list as well, Joe. And that goes for everybody else. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's your Wi-Fi, dude. You're, you've it's been, not my Wi-Fi. It's, you've been lagging the whole time. That's just, that's simply not true. That's well, simply not true because where, no, 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 Joe, you don't understand where I'm standing at right now. Xfinity. They've got Xfinity. And as you know, Joseph, <laughs> baseball season rolling quite along. And it's that time of year. We're doing podcasts. You're making videos. You got to stay locked in. So I would recommend you keeping an eye on your Wi-Fi. And again, when I'm watching all these games, when I'm recording all these podcasts, it can get tough. There's a lot to go, right? You got to spread it around. But thanks to the Xfinity 10G network, we can stay on top of everything. That's right. With Xfinity 10G, you can power, we can power an entire house full of shit. All the devices, all of the devices, ultra low lag, no problem. So you and everyone, we know we can stream every single game, same time, never miss a pitch. That's getting dialed in with Xfinity. And guess what? If you're on the go, they got your back. Millions of Wi-Fi hotspots. That's right. Millions of Wi-Fi hotspots. And introducing the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts right now, Joseph right now hey. so learn more at xfinity.com slash 10 g i'm going back to the future i've been at xfinity well quick you're gonna need you're gonna need a little more juice what do you got jay hey <laughs> quick final thought before we head out i want to give some everybody a little something to look forward to today if you're catching the pod early at 110 eastern uh yuri perez squares mm-hmm. off against the nationals yep. and Taj Bradley squares off against the Mets. So if you are into young, young sexified arm arms, uh, mm-hmm. please give those guys a look. I'm going to be tuning in. It's going to be great. Um, that's uh, that's what I got. I'm excited for that. Really am. Taj Bradley, 23 well, strikeouts and two walks and 15 and a third. Just pure yeah, nastiness. These, these, are, these are two arms that I think both franchises foresee having a big part in what they do in the future. Sure. And the fact that they're here now and as young as they are and performing, very, very, very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, my final thought is, um, and yeah, I'm going to take the time every time something positive happens for the Oakland A's in the green and gold. I am going to talk about it. Uh, Luis Medina showing up and making his third big league start. Um, I... Uh, <laughs> It's nice to have it's nice to have superstars on a team. That's great. And if you're a team that doesn't have superstars and you've got a lot of young guys, when you see young guys come through that kind of flash, 
what can be superstar type talent, <clears throat> you take note. And I think that's what I have seen from Luis Medina early on. Saw it with Mason Miller, who unfortunately is dealing with some elbow inflammation and some elbow issues. He's getting some second opinions. <clears throat> but to watch Luis Medina come back up to the big leagues and under the pretenses he did the first time around, knowing he was going to get sent down, like it just, there's a lot psychologically that can, that can happen to a guy in your first two, three big league starts if there's some fluctuation on whether or not you're going to be here. Am I promoted to stay or am I just here to fill in? And can I perform with all that on my show? Well, the answer is yes, a resounding yes, in my opinion. And watching Medina pitch with what was not his best stuff, meaning it wasn't 99, it was 96. Um, it's it's very promising, very promising. Um, so that that's my final thought is being excited to your point, Jay, about young arm talent on the mound. You just listed a couple names. Luis Medina, if you're on the West Coast <clears throat> and you like baseball and you'll stay up late to watch it, Regardless of what color the team uh, uniform is, Luis Medina, check in in four days. You think he's rookie of the year? That's my final thought. Is he rookie? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think he's rookie of the year, but uh, I, I think that um, it's, 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 look, it's a lot of fun to watch right now. And I think as he continues to get better, his performances will only get better. I, I'm just bringing that up because right now I'd say Yanir Cano is probably rookie of the year. Uh, in the AL, yeah, which is what's he, he still hasn't given up a fucking hit on the changeup, right? Hasn't given up a hit on changeup. Hasn't given up a run. Hasn't walked one guy. Yeah, in twenty-one innings, and to that get, is just a large bucket of filth. And rookie of the year for a reliever, just be on the lookout for that. The guy is very up, solid. Arguably, I mean, he's having one of the best stretches of all time right now. I think his WHIP in his first seventeen games is like might be the best over any 17-game stretch. Yeah, I mean, nobody's touching first base. Nobody. Check out his slider. Check, you know, check out his sinker and his changeup. You two would love that. I'm sure if you guys haven't looked into it already, but the pitch design and shit, you know, I, don't, I could try to explain it best I could. It's probably not great, but it's like he changed his arm angle or some shit. They look at identical, identical spin like 10 miles per hour slower on the changeup. No one's hit it. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the magic number that folks aim for. 10 or more miles an hour worth of separation. And you get some people looking like a goddamn fool. <clears throat> All right, that'll do it. We are done for the week. We've got next week to look forward to. Uh, enjoy. Did we already touch on some series that we were looking forward to? Brewers, Rays, Dodgers, Cardinals, Orioles, Jays. Those are the ones to watch, baby. There you go. You heard it there from the Nug Chef himself. That is a wrap. We gone.